Welcome to State Bar of Michigan's On Balance Podcast, where we talk about practice management and lawyer wellness for a thriving law practice with your hosts, Joanne Hathaway and Tish Vincent, here on Legal Talk Network. Take it away, ladies. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Samantha Mikey, sitting in today for Joanne Hathaway and Tish Vincent. Today, we're coming to you from the State Bar of Michigan's next conference in Grand Rapids. You may notice some ambient noise in the background because this is our last podcast that we're doing from this conference, and people are literally breaking down all the exhibits around us. So bear with us through this conversation. Today, I'm joined by Rob Mathis, who works with me at the State Bar of Michigan. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us, Rob. My pleasure. And we're very lucky to have a very special guest this afternoon to round out this podcasting extravaganza, Judge Joseph Farah from the Genesee County Circuit Court. That's correct. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and introduce yourself to us properly? Surely. I practiced law for 18 years before I was appointed to the bench in 1998 have been on the bench since that time. First seven and a half years of my service on the bench was in the family division, handling domestic cases and delinquency cases and child protective cases. I then was transferred to the civil criminal bench where I've been since 2005, handling uh, serious criminal cases as well as civil cases where the amount in controversy is over $25,000. I've been doing that uh, for the last 13 years and have been a lecturer for various judicial organizations in two or three different states, as well as been an adjunct law professor at uh, Thomas Cooley Law School, where I taught uh, maybe 15 evidence classes. Wow. So lots of places that our listeners could know you from. (laughs) Yes, as well as being on the board of law examiners for uh, 10 years, where I helped uh, write and grade bar exam questions over that period of time. Wow. So, so that was you. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> now you know who to blame, so you, listeners. That's right. If you, if you pass, you can congratulate me. And if you didn't, uh, you don't know me. So you've joined us at the next conference because you've basically quarterbacked a very special section of sessions that we've had, the Judicial Perspectives Track. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the last session? We've had some other judges come and talk to us about other sessions. But we're curious to know a little bit more about the view from the criminal bench that you talked about in that track. Well, myself and Judge Pam Lightvote from uh, Kalamazoo were asked to come in and give perspectives on a variety of topics in the 40 minutes that we were allowed. We did the best we could in uh, spreading out our time on various topics from handling competency questions to motions to experts to the confrontation clause. It was sort of like a little bit of dabbling in a, a lot of different departments. Each one of those could have been for 40 minutes, but instead we gave each one three or four minutes just to give the participants maybe one morsel of information that they could take home with them that would be of use to them. In other words, it's like a doggy bag at a restaurant. What can we send home with you that will be of use to you in your next case, your last case, or a case you haven't even encountered yet? So in a presentation like that, it has to be crisp, it has to be short, and it has to be understandable so they can benefit from being there. And we hope we accomplish that. So what was one of the top tips to take away from that session? I thought one of the top tips was how to prepare a proper motion 
too many motions are nebulous in their nature and in their request, and they don't give the judge enough to go on. So I try to explain that you've got to give us the tools to decide your way. If you make file a motion to suppress evidence, for example, and you don't tell us what the real basis is, then we're really at a loss to try to figure out how to analyze your argument. A case that's very familiar to all your listeners and most everybody who's even watched Law & Order is Miranda versus Arizona, about Miranda warnings. And many times, for example, we'll get a motion that says there's been a violation of my client's Miranda rights. Well, so I just explained to my law school class on Wednesday, there's five or six ways that Miranda rights, Miranda warnings can be violated. It'd be a good idea to tell me which one of those five or six you're talking about. That makes sense. Excellent tip. So, Judge, in addition to what you've done here today, Rob and I have heard a rumor that you've been involved in creating something to help judges along the lines of a television show. <laughs> yes, we've created a game. Uh, it's an evidence game, and it tests the participants in the game's knowledge after they break into teams. And we do use uh, we do use information that we're able to put into play in the game, and we do demand that the participants in the game be able to give us answers as quickly or uh, pretty close to the time they'd have in the courtroom to respond to a particular evidentiary question. The game has been very popular. We've given it across the state of Michigan to judges, lawyers, and law school students alike. Because let's face it, if you can present an educational opportunity or an informational opportunity in an enjoyable setting, mm -hmm. it's that much more likely that the participants are going to remember it. We can all think back to a lot of lessons we had in school, in elementary school, junior high, even high school. And we remember a little bit about it. Well, what do you remember better? What you learned there or a song you heard then? Probably the song. You can probably tell me the words of most of the songs that you heard when you were in high school. If someone walked in and started singing, you could sing along with them. But if somebody comes in and starts talking about the Gettysburg Address, you're good for about five words and you're done. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So because how you learned it was not in the most communicative way. So when we developed this game concerning evidence, a very tough topic for practitioners and judges alike, I thought if we could do this in a more interesting and fun way, it might be better remembered. Do you find that people make mistakes because you're making them move so quickly through this game and then they learn from those mistakes more quickly than they would otherwise? Uh, yes, Sam, they definitely learn from it because after each question and answer, I give an explanation as to why the answer is what it is or why it isn't what they said it was. So we are definitely not trying to embarrass people nor just tally up points. There is explanation, I would say, after about 75% of the questions and answers. Can you give us an example of a question sure. or an answer? I yes, guess. we would say, for example, we would have a topic uh, hearsay. If somebody picked a topic called hearsay and they picked a low-level uh, difficulty question, all right? Well, obviously, you're going to get less points for that low-level difficulty question. So, for example, if I were to say during a trial, uh, there's an objection concerning hearsay when an officer is asked what radio traffic he heard for example, armed robbery ongoing 123 Main Street. The defense objects, claiming that the statement would be hearsay. The prosecutor responds that it's not being introduced for the truth of its content, but rather just to show officer behavior. The judge nevertheless sustains the hearsay objection. Was the judge's ruling correct or wrong? And I'd say, Sam, you're on the board. What's your answer? Okay. 
If the answer, if the answer is given, if it's right, we show the answer and give the explanation. If it's wrong, we go on to the next table. I'm thinking I need to go uh, review my rules of evidence. <laughs> yes, I think most people want <laughs> yeah. uh, like to do that. We should have done that before sitting down yeah, for right. this podcast yeah. today. Uh, well, we played the first time we showed it to judges after an hour and 15 minutes. It was three teams of judges, 48 judges. Uh, three teams tied at 900. So I declared it a tie, and they basically said, like hell, it's a tie. We want one more question. So we had one more question for them. So it's a very popular game, and I think it's uh, – so far, people still want it, so I've already been asked for two more presentations in 2019. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm really curious, so what happened that made you decide, we've got to come up with this game? I was at my INSA court meeting, and they had a similar game, but it wasn't just about evidence. It was about a variety of topics, Michigan Constitution, evidence, you know, statutes, different things, Michigan history. And so I took a look at that and I said, well, you know, that might be very conducive to an evidence type game. So I was assigned that project and myself and five other people on my team met five weeks in a row. And every week we looked at the questions, tore them down, put them back together with the rule being they have to be able to be read in 30 seconds and answered within 45. Sounds like it'd be easy. It's not because we had to make sure that they were accurate and we had to make sure they were understandable and answerable in the time period allowed. That's a lot of work and a lot of vetting. It is a lot of vetting. Fantastic. Yes, yes, Sam, it is. I'm curious. So you do all this education what motivates you to do this? What's driving it? I feel it's a wonderful obligation, being a veteran judge and before that an experienced lawyer, to impart to those uh, who want to learn what little knowledge I might have in these domains, because as a result, it improves the practice of law as a whole, and it as well improves judicial decision-making in particular. Well, is there anything else you'd like to um, touch upon? Well, I'd like to commend your network uh, for being here because the more that we can take what we do in the courtroom and at seminars like this out into the public, and whether it's the lawyers that hear it or non-lawyers or paralegals, I think it's so important for folks like you and to benefit folks like the rest of us to put these things out there in the public so it's better understood. I once heard a criticism of the O.J. Simpson trial being on TV and how so much fanfare was paid to it. And one of the lawyers said, you know, that may be true, but let me ask you this. Have you heard more of the citizenry ever talking more frequently about the Fourth Amendment as you are right now, about the whole idea of the glove and where bloodstains were found and Mm -hmm. was there a warrant? That is what the public display of legal cases, controversies, and information do for the public as a whole. They make the public more aware. So you're coming here to Grand Rapids and being involved in the interviews of various people, I think uh, to me is very salutary and I commend you for doing so. Well, thank you so much, Judge Farah, for joining us today. Sam, my pleasure. All right. If people want to reach out to you to have you come and bring one of these fabulous educational opportunities to them, can they find you online? Yes, they can find me online. Uh, I'm in the Michigan Bar Journal. You can find me there. 
Uh, Are you on Twitter or LinkedIn at this point? No, I'm not on any of that, but I'm told if you Google me, my name will come up so that uh, you could do that or just uh, have them call my office. And if they would like uh, to involve uh, me in anything that they want to present, I'd certainly consider it and be happy to do so if I can. Fantastic. So you've got good search engine optimization. Google them. You heard it here, folks. Yeah, I think so. That's right. (laughs) All right. Thank you all for joining us here on the Legal Talk Network for another edition of the On Balance podcast from the State Bar of Michigan. Rob, thanks for co-hosting with me. My pleasure to be here today. I'm Samantha Mikey, standing in for Joanne Hathaway and Tish Vincent. If you're interested in finding the podcast, it's available in the Apple Podcast app, or you can find it online, legaltalknetwork.com. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the State Bar of Michigan On Balance Podcast. Brought to you by the State Bar of Michigan and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find the State Bar of Michigan and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network or the State Bar of Michigan or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.